You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Half hour. Hello, and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie. And we're here to bring you a casual conversation on the shows, films, concerts, and music that we see, listen to, and observe throughout our careers. This conversation will feature current pop music hits from the first half of March, and you can follow along and listen to the music that we are discussing by going to our Instagram account or TikTok at Half Hour Podcasts and click the link in our bio to save and listen to the playlist that we are <clears> discussing. <throat> Our conversation today is going to start with the pop sensation Dua Lipa, and there's a few things I want to cover in this conversation with her first. And um, the first is starting with her album, Future Nostalgia. And uh, I want to discuss some of the songs here that were big hit singles like Physical, Levitating, and Break My Heart. And I want to talk about this because this is an album that was released in March, on March 27th, 2020, at the start of the pandemic. And this album is now at almost coming up on a two-year anniversary and has spawned six hit singles, and it has an expanded edition, which has songs like Fever and We're Good, and she also did a club remix to this album. So I'm starting with this album because we also went to see her tour, the Future Nostalgia tour, in the um, Madison Square Garden, and she also has a new track that just came out with Megan the Stallion that came out on Friday uh, called Sweetest Pie. So starting off with the album, I want to know your initial thoughts and I'll give my thoughts too on what did we think of this album for Dua Lipa as a whole and where was it released at the right time at the beginning of the pandemic? Yeah, I think it was. I don't, I don't, I don't see why not. People still listen to music, you know, and I think it made sense and it kind of gave a lot of longevity to the music where people could really listen to it over the course of a couple of years and, and get and comfortable with it and used to it. So that when a tour came, wasn't like the tour was rushed or anything like that. So yeah, I think it made, I think everything made sense with when she released it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a smart choice I think for her because that was at a time when many artists were probably saying, Oh, I probably shouldn't release music right now. And I actually applaud her to actually continue releasing at that time. She was starting to gain momentum as a pop star and she had her first album that came out. And I don't know if it really necessarily took off that well in America, but this album really, I think put her in the forefront for in pop. So leading to the tour, we got to see 
Dua Lipa perform at Madison Square Garden. And I thought the production value of the, the show was great. I think I would have liked to see a little more in terms of like personality. I, I mean, we're getting there with the vocals. We're getting there with the dancing, the choreo. The choreo was great. I thought she did an amazing job. But then it's like, it was like in and out. And there was no like, hey, New York, we love, like, we love you. We're doing this. We're doing that. And it was just, it kind of fell flat there for me. I don't know if you felt that same way. I mean, you've been dabbling in these pop concerts now for a little bit of time. And do you feel like she could have done more in that sense? Yeah, it seemed impersonable. It seemed very, go sing my songs and don't stop in between song and then go home. And there was not a ton of like, time to talk a little bit to the audience or like get, get, we get to know her as a person. And so, yeah, the, the music was good. It was like great to hear back to back to back songs, but it was, you know, when you go on two hours late and you do an hour and you don't stop and talk in between and you go home, it does feel like you're not really catering to your fans really. Yeah. And does it matter when the whole place is sold out? Maybe not, but. And I think that was an interesting part <laughs> for the show too. It's like we had two openers, two that I wasn't too familiar with. And when they first announced the show, it was billed that Megan Thee Stallion was going to be at the show. So it was interesting to see that she almost had top billing in the sense, and then to later find out that she's only doing two shows. And actually, I think she's doing the two shows around this new track. So kind of like, kind of like was it a publicity stunt to have mm-hmm. Megan Thee Stallion be billed on this tour and then later find out, okay, they're releasing a track together and she's doing two dates. Yeah, yeah. It's a little interesting. Um, I think the length of the show and the set list, the set list was mainly future nostalgia. So it was like, okay, great. We love a lot of these tracks, but could we have gotten a little bit more from her debut album? I think we. she had a ton of hits on that album, and I think she did maybe three. And I was like, Come on, you could have you could have done a two hour set list. Yeah, I feel like when we've seen people like Kelly Clarkson, Lady Gaga, Billy Joel, these are people who talk to you and mm-hmm. want to get to know their fans and their audience a little bit, and we get to know a little bit about them, and they crack a joke or two. She just seemed really stiff. I guess I'm. I love her music. I love everything about it. I guess I'm. I'm not really understanding. Like, okay, let's get her to dance better. Let's get her to sing better. Let's get her to personality. When there's like millions of really talented people who already can do that, yeah. so it's like we're gonna spend all this time and money to get this person to a level where we all want her to be. Well, she needs to want to be there too. So <clears throat> it doesn't seem like, you know, she's got to want it too. Yeah. And I think we're going. She's also dealing with legal issues right now with some of her music. I don't know. That actually news actually broke the day of us going to see her concert. So I don't know if that affected her any way or not. Probably not, but it could have. I think right now, like watching her, it's like we're going down this road of like, is she going to be a true artist or is she just going to be falling down in that bit of entertainer yeah uh role like okay i'm here to entertain you and that's it but i think she's so much more than that and i think one thing her team could be working on with her is like how do you connect with the audience more i think that is such a major thing for an artist and fan to have together it's like I want to know who you are as a singer. That's great that you can sing a pop song. Anyone can sing a pop song. Not anyone, but like most people can do that. So it's like, what's the next level? You know, where do we go from here? Which kind of now leads into this music video that came out. Her and Megan Thee Stallion did Sweetest Pie together. And we watched the music video. We've heard the song. 
And okay. I've actually, I, I posted about this on TikTok and a lot of the feedback has been, um, not feeling it. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I'm, is it a hit or is it a miss for me? And I'm kind of falling in this, like, I like the meaning, but the song just seems overly produced and rushed. And are we going to forget about it in two weeks? You know, Sweetest Pie. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I wasn't a fan of it. I really wasn't a fan of the music video. It seemed extremely messy to me. Um, when you sometimes when you try to do too much in a three minute segment, yeah, it becomes misconstrued. Um, it's kind of like um, if someone curses all the time and constantly uses a curse word, it kind of negates the emphasis of using a curse word. <laughs> if I was to just curse every other word, whereas if I strategically placed a curse, I don't know, right. this is like a bad example maybe, but when you no, when I... you have an example, when you have a music video and you're trying to show what, like, I don't know, what are you trying to show? You're trying to show feminism, um, sexism between men and women. You're trying to show sexuality. Are you trying to show animals? Are you trying to like, there's way too much going on here. There's no theme. Yeah. To me, it just was wildly all over the place. Very computer animated. I didn't really understand it. I, 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 if there's a message there, I completely lost it. I have no idea what your message I is. I think more of the message is in the lyrics, but where I think we're missing the moment is in the concept of the actual video. Sometimes a video mm-hmm. is there to help drive a song, and I don't know if this necessarily did that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it has nothing to do about the sexualization of women in this video and the men in this video too, because I just want there to be that powerful moment. And Mm. this kind of just seemed like, Oh no, we can be sexy and we can talk about sex too. But I don't know if it hit that mark. Well, it was, yeah, I understood that. I think it was female empowerment. Yeah. It was great, but I just, it was just from a design standpoint, I just didn't make any directorial standpoint. It made no sense to me. I think when you make something costumey and fantasy, like, like this video, it loses the message almost in a way. It's like I think this is like weirdly what's been going on though lately. Like when you see like Lizzo's rumors, this video yeah. is similar to this, like all over the place. When you look at some music videos, like um, even some of the stuff like Lady, um, not Lady Gaga, Katy Perry's been putting out lately, and some of the uh, like I remember like this kind of reminded me of Nicki Minaj's Anaconda a little bit too. Like they're just wildly all over the place. I miss when music videos used to have like maybe a little bit of a plot, like a boy meets girl, girl meets, or like just like some dance moves and like a little bit of a story and a setting instead of just like, let's throw a ton of different things up and splatter the paint on the canvas and see what sticks. And that's what I found. Like I found like they just threw every color of the rainbow onto a white canvas and just said, okay, what does this look like? And it looks like a mess. You know, that's kind of my visual. Right. That's what I think the point we're bringing in here is the fantasy element is like, this doesn't need to be fantasy. It should be more reality. Right. When you bring something like early 2000s music videos that have the sex appeal to them, like Britney Spears' I'm a Slave for You, or like Destiny Child Survivor, these had the sex appeal that I think a lot of the artists today are trying to do, but we're like overproducing something that's like not, it doesn't need to be, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, she's now, Do is now an international sensation, and how do you think she's going to keep up the momentum of like being on this trajectory of like, okay, she's a star now, you know? 
She just needs to keep putting out good music. Yeah. Music that hopefully doesn't get her into more copyright lawsuits because <laughs> there's a few cups of that going on right now. Hopefully she'll get yeah. through that. But also let's, – Let's review that with your team before uh, yeah. you put something out. And hopefully she – you know, I, I like her Studio 54 disco era vibe with her music. Hopefully she keeps doing that and yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I do think she needs to just figure out now as an artist where she's going to go. Now because you've passed the sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. You're now going to go into the third album, which can either be a make it or break it moment. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I want to move uh, the conversation over to Euphoria, um, the show that is the hit on HBO. Um, right now, it, it's really a phenomenon, a pop phenomenon, because everyone's really watching it together. They're talking about it together. It's memeing together. It's TikToking and it's music. And I really want to harp on this because the music in this show is so good. I really actually think it makes the show. There's so many great messages in the show, but I do want to focus this conversation um, on Labyrinth and the score and music soundtrack to this show. Um, we rarely we rarely see a show like this become a pop phenomenon. So this is definitely something I want to talk about here because Zendaya is killing it in the show, and her vocals in the music is also really really good. And Zendaya has tried to have a pop career, and it's kind of not gone anywhere. And now I think this is moving her back into that direction of being on the TV show and putting music out and having a moment. Um, what are some of your thoughts of Euphoria as a production as a whole and just the soundtrack and the music? The show is really good. It has um, some interesting plots going on there. There's some great acting going on. The music really does help a show or hurt a show um, in a way. And I think the music in this show really, really helps um, because they're using a lot of different styles of music and different types of music. It's not just one um one type of music all the time. The song I'm Tired by Labyrinth and Zendaya is a great song. Yeah. I think it's, it's nice to hear Zendaya's vocals on it at the end. Um, it's very gospel rooted in this church sense of there's a lot. If you look back to a lot of like church songs in multiple faiths, there is this um, I am hurt, like mm-hmm. Lord help me. I am tired. I am, I need help. And look to the Lord for strength, for guidance, for support. There's like that theme in a lot of, Christian music mm-hmm. anyway. And so to bring touch on that a little bit and say, I'm tired, I need help, you know, which we know the characters are going through things that need help. They need help. Right. The music really helps with that. I think what's cool about this show too, is like, I think there's so much of a theatrical, like theater moment. There's Broadway, there's theater in this show <laughs> in itself. I mean, we literally had two episodes of one of the characters, um, write a musical about what's happening of the life of all of the teens in Euphoria, uh, Euphoria High. And it was, I, I thought it was such a moment to watch this happen because the music being scored in going in and out of characters in the show versus characters that are playing them, it was filmed so well. And I just, I, I just really felt that the music here played an important part. And we go back a lot into these 40s, 50s, 60s songs throughout the show. And then we go current. So what do you think is like a moment? I'm like, why is that happening? Is it driving the plot? Because I think it is. Yeah, I think a lot of songs used in shows should really come down to lyric 
And I think there's a lot of songs that they play from the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s that have great lyrics and maybe they sound dated or they don't. Or the point of it is that you want it to sound old and dated because it juxtaposes what's currently happening on the stage or in the show rather. But I think there's also something to be said about a song um, taking an old, you know, when you didn't see things like this on screen in the 40s, 50s, 60s, but to choose a song from that time it's a cool mental moment because you're like, oh, this is an old song I usually associate with very G-rated society. Yeah. Meanwhile, what's happening on stage is not, or on right. screen rather is not. So, um, yeah, I think, and I think the lyrics are really, really great. Yeah. It always comes down to that, especially <laughs> in this show when they're driving plot around addiction and different addictions. You know, we we find that when people say the word addiction, it usually focuses around like one thing, and it's like drugs. And then maybe it moves down to alcohol as another addiction. But this has so many other addictions, like addiction to fame, addiction to like being loved, addiction to sex. It's like these are major topics. And when you move the drugs aside, you start realizing that everyone in this town kind of is addicted to something. Mm-hmm. And how how do we observe as a community? How do we watch this as a community and say, oh, wow, this is major. And I think something that's really telling for all of us is like at the end of each season, we have this moment with Zendaya and Labyrinth where they come together in this church gospel mess. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, what is happening with her as a character? And the music is really just powering, so powerful for her at the end of each season. And we like just shoot her Mm. into wherever she's going. And we don't know that yet. We're still figuring that out. Mm. So, yeah, I I really applaud it. And the score itself, it's scored so well outside of just the music tracks. So, you know, it's interesting. And and inspiring to hear some of those old songs. They could some of these old songs sound what they sound like today, you know, in, yeah. a, in a modern setting. Which is where we bring in our reworked conversation because we're like, ooh, this, mm. this could totally be reworked. I mean, the lyrics are still so telling and perfect for today. Yeah. Do we rework it? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I want to move over to three different artists now in this space of what I found one of the artists calling Rainbow Pop. And we'll get into this a little bit, but... The first track here that I want to talk about is a new artist, Madison Rose, and her single, Better Off Alone. What's your initial thought on that track right off the bat? I like it. I think it's nice. It's catchy. It's something I would listen to often. Yeah. I could see it definitely hitting in the clubs, definitely in gay clubs (laughs) and stuff like that. I, I, I found an interview with Madison, and I wanted to read some parts of this interview because I think they're inspiring, and I think it's interesting to see in this rainbow pop sense. It's like Madison has said that she found inspiration for her music from legendary female powerhouses like Dolly Parton and Beyonce, but one of her main inspirations behind the look and feel of her videos came from drag queens. You add in my exposure to drag culture by way of early seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race, which then led me to documentaries like Paris is Burning and understanding the history of the community, she says. When putting an outfit together, I look to the queens. Drag queens don't pull looks, they pull concepts. So I need my looks to have a theme. I think this is really an interesting um, take from a new pop artist. She's going down to the roots of things and paying homage to it. And especially using drag queen culture and RuPaul and her favorite powerhouses like Dolly Parton and Beyonce and really looking at that and says, okay, 
I need to have a concept in my music. You know, I'm writing a track, I'm becoming an artist, and I'm creating a concept. And this is where I think I go back to Dua Lipa, and it says, what is your concept? What is your theme? Are you thinking it out? Where someone like an artist like Madison is. And I, I found that to be very powerful. And she also says that she knows that it could be hard to find this kind of acceptance as an independent artist with no manager or label. She has experienced rejection all the time and time again. She's had countless people tell me that she wasn't good enough or how I had to change. So she relates and I had to just stand my power. And even at the most difficult times say, forget that I know I am worthy as is. And I find that really powerful. That's a strong artist right there, really talking about where they see themselves in the industry and how they're going to continue in the industry. So I I like that she pulls in this space. And I like that she's also creating for the space. I think that what this song is doing is creating that space in drag culture and in gay culture. And I think that's why it's like rainbow pop. It's, it's fun. It's supposed to be happy. It's supposed to be like you're dancing and having a great time on the stage. Yeah. So I found that really cool. And I, the other two artists, I select this because I feel like they fall into this rainbow pop genre. I'm going to call it rainbow pop every time I hear it now. A song that I'm like, oh, that's rainbow pop. <laughs> uh, we'll give you all the credit, credit that you need, Madison, on this rainbow pop thing. But the next one is Carly Hansen. And she wrote a song called Girls in Line for the Bathroom, which is off her debut album, Tough Boy. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on this track? I like the meaning behind what she's trying to do here. And I like that she's... Um, trying new things. I don't really like the song. Okay. I don't really doesn't really resonate with me. I don't understand the point of it. I know I'm probably. I just I don't know. I don't. I I I understand what you're saying. Like, I I actually have had <laughs> many in- instances where people have not been nice online for a bathroom. So I don't <laughs> understand where she's getting from wishing she was. People were as nice as the girls lying in the bathroom. I've had men and women be like just horribly rude and nasty waiting for bathroom lines. I don't know if anybody else listening out there has ever experienced that. When you gotta pee, you gotta pee. (laughs) I I have a couple really weird lying in the bathroom stories from like people being just like bizarrely rude, which I'll tell those stories in person if you want to know what those are. But um, I just so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what she's trying to say here. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe she's trying to say how people are – we're all – maybe she's trying to say we're all in line for the same thing, so we may as well be nice. And maybe she's had some good experiences, but I don't know. I, maybe I'm taking it way too literally. I just wasn't a huge fan. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> there, it's such a great message behind her, and I think it's more about just having a off-the-cuff conversation with someone and being heard and understood and then like getting into the bathroom and having an experience with a group of people that just get you. Mm -hmm. So I think there's like an underlining message there, but I also found an article with Carly uh, that I found interesting and she was asked, you're part of a new generation of out and proud artists who are flying their flag for the LGBTQ community. And how is important, how important it is for us to have queer representation in music. And she says, it's really important. Seeing Troy Savon out there is really inspiring because she actually toured with Troy Savon. And it's important, especially in our generation right now, where times are changing and queer is becoming a more common thing. People need to know about us. I think we're doing a great job at making an important and yeah, having an important, important. conversation. Nice, yeah. I do think that. And that's why I think like hearing a track like this and seeing an artist like this who is part of the community is great. And it's like, we're, we're just going to keep seeing more and this is a combination of here of like having inspirations from Justin Bieber and One Direction because she was growing up during that time when those were huge pop stars. And I mean, they still are, but One Direction isn't together anymore. 
And um, taking those elements and then finding her newfound love for bands like Nirvana and Kurt Cobain and putting them together and creating this more like alternative pop sound. It's fun. You know, I I really do like seeing that. And then um, we'll, we'll move over to this next artist, Chapel Rowan. Naked in Manhattan is the next track, your favorite chapel. Uh, Rowan, what did you think about this song? I actually liked this song more than the other song we the talked Pink about. Pink Pony Yeah, because I think this one has a little bit more of a message to it, a little bit more of a story, uh, what she's trying to say. Mm-hmm. It's a little more of a through line. It makes sense. It's cohesive. Yes. Um, it's not just... Uh, yeah, I, I understand that this is about her queer experience, too, and being a new... And I, and I like it, and it's catchy, so I like this one better than the other. Yeah, one. yeah. this one I... I love this. I mean, obviously it has my 80s synths like that I just crave in pop music, especially bop pop music. But I find this to fall into this rainbow pop category, too, because she wrote this song about her first queer experience. And she said this on her TikTok and she tried to capture how truly amazing it was in a pop song. So I think it does cover that. I mean, she's really talking about how she's had a relationship with a same sex partner and it was great and it gave her all the butterflies and gave her all the moments that she needed. She just wants people to hear this song and feel seen in their queerness uh, and have something to party to. So it's, it, it's cool. And I think some of the things she says here is like every lyric is just so feminine. It's flirty. It's fun. She captures excitement from having a new crush. And I think like even the music video adds to this a little bit of just like, Dancing around New York City after you have your first experience Mm -hmm. and just being like, okay, when's it going to happen again? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's fun. I think that's fun to hear in pop music. Um, And yeah, so kind of like hearing these three tracks, hearing the different sounds, the different lyrics. What do you think Rainbow Pop can be a category? What does Rainbow Pop mean to you as like a a genre? It could be a subgenre. Yeah. Uh, it could be a sub sub genre. It doesn't have to be. It also doesn't have to have a label. No. So right. I don't think necessarily like someone needs to hear someone's song and say, "Oh, this is about something queer." It needs to be labeled. It could just be about love in general, right? And yeah. I understand these people are trying to find a voice for queer pop music in the mainstream space. Yeah. And so I'm I'm neither here nor there on it because I think it needs to evolve on its own. I think it needs to become its own thing. And if there's enough support behind it, which there should be, and if there's enough artists um, getting behind the labeling of that and wanting it to be labeled that and wanting to feel like there is a voice, um, then sure. I think what's interesting, though, is like even in this this music industry of the big labels controlling everything, a lot of queer musicians probably still are falling in like, I have to put things out independent or the label's not going to get behind my Mm -hmm. queer music. Mm -hmm. So how do we as consumers get them to the forefront, get them in front of more people? Because it's like, yeah, as a queer community, we can listen to this music, but like, I want to promote it. I want to get it out to more people. I want people to hear different sounds so that we're not hearing the same thing over and over again in mainstream music. So I think that's what rainbow pop as a genre, a subgenre to pop music can do. And I think it's cool. And we're in women's month right now. So I really wanted to showcase women making music in this industry. Um, And do you kind of get a real queer theme by listening to these tracks or would you listen to them and not really think about it um, at first? In honor of women's history month, I think it's really great to be showcasing this. I just think that at the end of the day, it's 
women or I, female identifying women, you know, mm-hmm. right, um, putting their voice out there. Yeah. And I don't think it should really matter if they're singing about men, women, uh, whatever, whatever type of – it's just their voice being heard and feeling seen. Mm-hmm. That's where I would yeah. feel – I you think know, what's interesting too is like I would love to know if if this is how they want to be heard. You know? Sure. Well, I'm assuming if they're putting the song out right. and, they, I, and they and they want and they're doing interviews about it, then this right. is how they want to be heard. And they want to be heard this way. Right, so I right. think it's great, and I think the more people that hear it are going to really enjoy it yeah. and love it and have a great moment. So that was fun. Oh, 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 bell. oh wow. Bell, bell, bell. Um, we're coming to the end of this podcast episode here. So I always like to do a little bit of a fun game with Richie at the end of our pop episodes. And it's, does he add it? So on TikTok, I do two, uh, pop music drops a, um, before each podcast. So the first Friday of March and the second Friday of March had some songs and I've selected a few for Richie to say if, does he add it or does he not add it? So you can go over to those videos and listen to them first if you would like, or you can click <laughs> the playlist in our bio and follow the playlist and listen to those tracks. But <coughs> Mr. Richie, are you ready for does he add it? Yes. Okay. Our first track comes up from the artist Sigrid, and the title of the track is It Gets Dark. What do you think? Add it or not add it? Not adding it. Not really a fan. Sorry. Oh, no. I'm like, it's kind of okay. Oh, I really no. didn't really say to me. <laughs> Sorry. I love that one. Okay, the okay. next one is um, Leon, and the track is Dancer. Yes, I'm adding this. It's very Dua Lipa-esque to oh. me. I really like the vibe of it. I listened to it multiple times recently. Oh, look at I that. I really like it. I do like this one, yeah. One, uh, <laughs> one and one. Okay. Uh, Young Bay featuring Sam Fisher and Pink Sweets. Sweats? Uh, silver and gold. This is a no. No? No. I I'd... don't like their voices. I don't know who's singing, but there was something that irked me so much about their vocals. I was like, this doesn't work for me. And then at what they were singing, no. I just... Wow, I really thought I was... you were going to add no, this one. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Like, I don't like. I, I, I really don't... thought you were going to add this one. No, okay. I'm sorry. Now, Fifi Dobson. Let me first talk about Fifi Dobson here for two <laughs> seconds. Uh, this is like 2003 throwback. Mm. I'm sure you've heard these songs, um, Everything and Take Me Away if I play them for you. Um, she was part of this like whole Avril Lavigne moment and, uh, she just come, came back with this comeback single. So I'm going to say it like this cause I don't want to get an explicit on our podcast, but effing in love. Um, you adding it or not? Adding? Yes, I'm adding it. I think it's great. It's this you- <laughs> angsties, eighties kind of like, I get what they're, they're trying to say and it's like. It's direct and it's not wishy-washy. Yes. I'm oh my totally god, amazing. Happy. Two two and two. two. And then lastly we have Khalid and his track Last Call. No. <gasps> Sorry. No. Wow. I just I, I there was more no's than yeses for me this week. I wasn't a big fan of a lot of these songs. I don't really like the whiny stuff. I'm sorry, I'm not saying they're whiny, but sometimes I just have only have so much patience for the the drawn uh, I'm like, give me a song, you know? I don't and I like slow songs too. All right. But, Sorry. Are you adding the rainbow pop tracks? Yeah. Uh, well, no, definitely not the girl in the bathroom one. No, I mean, I'll do with the Madison Rose, Better Off Alone. I like that. I would add the Chapel Row and Naked in Manhattan because I did not add the Pink Pony Club because I don't like that song. Uh, but I added the Naked in Manhattan. But no, Carly Hansen's Girls in Line in the Bathroom, no, I'm not, I'm not 
digging it. I'm not vibing it. I'm all for her power to you, but oh, all right, fine. And then we'll just do since we're gonna we're doing it. Are you adding Dua Lipa, Megan the Stallions? You know, uh, I would add that song because the song's not half bad. Okay, it, the video's not working at all, but I think the song is. I would listen to. Sure, okay. I totally listen to the song. Yeah, there yeah. We go. I, along with any Dua Lipa, there's very few Dua Lipa songs I would not add. There you have it. Another pop epi- pop episode. So. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Um, Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Music, and please leave us a review, only if it's five stars. We also (laughs) want to join, we want you to join in on our conversation, engage with us, head over to our Instagram and TikTok accounts, both at Half Hour Podcast, and comment on our latest post. We would love to know what you're thinking about in the pop music space, so let us know. But until next time, I'm Jeff. I'm Richie. Signing off for now. Ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.